about the calling that God has for every person that may look different than what we ever imagined it looked like. And the speaker, Hugh Welchel, is the international director of this Faith, Work, and Economics Institute. He's coming here. He's going to be sharing. So we're expecting an impactful time. Um, there are some invite cards and posters over on the resources and events table, too. So if you want to grab some of those, invite a friend, post them up at Starbucks or wherever, that would be great, too. All right. Well, we are, as Jenny mentioned, wrapping up our, into, our uh, Taking a Stand message series. We're talking today about gray areas, talking about going into the gray areas of life. And I was, was thinking about this. I've got a friend. He's a, a guy I know. He's a, a pastor now. But his cultural and ethnic background is Jewish. So he grew up in a, a Jewish family and was not a believer until he came to college. And he likes to say that the biggest moral dilemma for a Jewish person is free pork. All right? Think about that. If you're Jewish and someone offers you free pork, what do you do? It's like, man, you're, you're not supposed to, pork is outside the kosher, kosher dietary laws, but it's free. And that's, you know, that, that's a really high value in, in that culture. And so which, which wins? And I can relate to that in a similar way, not, not, not quite the same, but the family I grew up in, a huge moral dilemma, or the only time I ever saw my dad drink alcohol was twice in my life, and it's because it was free. We pretty much were a teetotaling family, like alcohol was, was considered like, oh man, that's really like, you know, good people don't drink, you know, that was kind of the mentality, but one time my mom was on a flight, and they used to give out free wine on, on flights back in the day, and she brought home a little bottle of wine, and I remember seeing my dad sitting around the table drinking that wine, and I remember one other time where we were at a big social event with really nice food, with caviar, and there was champagne, and I remember at that time, my dad drank a little bit too. But it was, only, it was like, okay, alcohol or free, which is the higher value? <laughs> and we're talking today about, this should be fun, about gray areas. We've been talking for the last month about taking a stand and how the world is in need of people who will stand for truth, who will stand with Jesus. We talked the first week about that Jesus is the truth, but that whenever we take a stand, it always needs to be the way Jesus does, and that's he's full of truth and grace at the same time, and how we need to be careful that it's not just our own agenda or something we have an opinion about, but that we, our life and our hearts and our way is aligned with Jesus. And we talked about uh, living with conviction. Last week, Bo talked about being bold. That was awesome. Bo had some great stories. Um, if you're out of town, you should listen to that online. It was great, including a first grade classmate of his who liked to snuggle up close to him and scratch his back. That was, that's what I remember from last week, Bo. That was great. But gray areas. What are gray areas of life? And there are, you know, there and, and I just want to be clear, too. We're talking about moral issues. And before we say anything else, the foundation for looking at moral issues is, as Christians, we need to understand that our, our right standing with God is not based on how moral we are or how, how well we line up with what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. No, our right standing with God comes through the grace of God, through Jesus becoming our righteousness when he died on the cross for our sins, and taking away our sins, and giving us a new identity, that when we come to believe in Jesus, we are righteous. We are right with God because of his righteousness transferred to us. So none of this has anything to do with how God likes us more. 
or how we can impress God more, which is where our minds kind of naturally tend to go. Um, but we have, but there is, we are saved by grace, but we're saved for a different life. We're saved to live differently, to live a life that stands out from the norm, normalcy of the world around us and looks different. Um, we're also, when we're talking about gray areas, it's kind of confusing because when our culture talks about gray areas, think of the, the book and the movie from a few years ago, Fifty Shades of Gray. It really wasn't very gray. Right? I mean, like, let's take the most, like, like, oppressive, immoral behavior possible, and let's call it gray. And that's kind of what our, what our culture does. Like, there's no sense of moral variance or right or wrong. And so, we're, we need to know, no, there are absolute right and wrong. There are ten commandments. There are commands of scripture. And we're not talking about the things in the Bible that, this is how we know what's right and wrong. What does God say? You know, lying and cheating and stealing and coveting, and greed, and unfaithfulness. Those, that's not gray. Those are right or wrong. And, and there's, there's something that happens in life as followers of Jesus. It's helpful for us when God just says, hey, you know what? You used to have a problem with stealing. Now you're following me. Stop stealing. And there's something in this walk of obedience and being a disciple of Jesus we grow, in a way, in the, the clear commandments of God that cross our will when we come up against those and we have to decide. Am I going to do what God says is, is wrong, right? Or am I going to continue on with my own way? There's, there's a, something that happens in our life through that process. But there are other areas that are gray areas. And what are we talking about? Well, I mentioned alcohol. Any, any other, you just throw some ideas out. What do you think are some gray areas? And nobody's going to judge you. You know, if you... <laughs> Like, oh, that's not great. That's actually, it's funny, because what's, we have different opinions about some of these. But what would you think are some gray areas? Marijuana. marijuana. Okay, well, if you live in Colorado, <laughs> and, and if you're in Kansas, marijuana is not a gray area because it's illegal. And, but if you live in a state where marijuana is legal, that is now a gray area. Where you have to just, yeah, is, is, is there a place to use marijuana? Yeah, tobacco is similar. I mean, not similar, you know, you know what I mean. It's another gray area. Um, any other gray areas? Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So the whole world of like anything to doing with sorcery or witchcraft. I mean, the things that, is that witchcraft? Is that sorcery? Is that just good, innocent entertainment? Um, Halloween is a similar one we could look at. It's like, okay, is, is there, can you celebrate, is there a, can you trick or treat as a Christian? Or should you just completely stay as far away from possible, as possible from that? So good. Harry Potter. What else? In Just Find the Means? Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So little small decisions that may seem like, okay, the, the end is good, so is it, or the, yeah, the end is good, so can I compromise on the means? Santa Claus? <laughs> there you go. There's another gray area for some people. Or for... What's that? How to dress. How to dress. Yes. Issues of, of modesty and what's the appropriate clothing. Yeah, good. You guys are hitting, hitting a lot of the ones I had written down. Anyone else? Uh, abortion is definitely a moral issue. Um, I would say that that's a black and white one um, that thou shalt not kill affects, but it's certainly a very a difficult moral issue for people to navigate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Good. Uh, well, we could, we could go on 
and, and on, um, I think, dating practices is an area, and sort of like physical boundaries, those sorts of questions. Those are areas of gray, where God doesn't specifically say, hey, thou shalt not kiss until thou art engaged, or you know, something like that. <laughs> but we have to navigate these, these issues. And, and they're, they're, who do you date? When, when to date? How, what are physical boundaries? Well, those, are, those are some really practical. Oh, entertainment, another one. What sort of, of music do we listen to? What sort of movies do we watch? What sort of things would we draw the line on? And what could we say? No, that's, that's okay. You can handle that. Well, there, there are more. Anything more. But just as God does something in our lives through obeying him in the things that are clear-cut, there's something that, as we approach the gray areas of life, that I think is it's important. Not just because God is like trying to make sure you don't mess up or do something wrong, but there are gray issues that we face in life, and we, we have to make decisions about what am I going to do in these areas. And there's something about, as a Christ follower... Following him in those areas, that is more complex and more personal and puts more on us, really, to figure out, okay, God, how, how do I follow you in this? It's not just jumping through a hoop or, you know, doing the right thing, being a good boy or a good girl, but it's, okay, Lord, how can I approach this in a way that honors you? And that's really the goal of what we're talking about today, is growing as Christ followers, that it's a relational thing. It's not just about having the right answer, but it's approaching the various issues we face in life in a way that helps us to live lives that honor God and love and bless other people too. So in the, there are numerous, it's interesting that there are numerous gray areas addressed in the Bible. Um, in the book of 1 Corinthians in particular, and if you have your handouts, your bulletins, our weekly reading, I would highly encourage you to, to read those Every week, but this week in particular, because I, I'm just looking at one half of one chapter this morning, but there are so many that really 1 Corinthians looks at a lot of different gray issues that people were facing and gives really good wisdom in how to approach those. Also, uh, Romans 14 and other uh, Galatians 4, I think, is in there too. Those are really helpful in, in taking this deeper and getting the principles of what we're talking about. But a particular issue that we don't really think about, but it was an issue to the, the people of God, the church in the city of Corinth in the first century, who these were the people that Paul was writing the letter of 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 2. There was an issue of eating food. You think, well, food is something close to our heart. There's certainly, you know, it gets to, gets to important issues there. But there was an issue of eating food that had been sacrificed to idols. Now, probably none of us have ever had that as a moral issue, or not many of us. But the first century believers... It was who came. It was. It wasn't an issue for those that were Hebrew people, the people of Israel, because they had clear dietary laws that in the Old Testament God had laid out how they should prepare their food and what was off limits and what was okay. But as believers of God were coming into the, the whole world, they were in cultures that served many other gods and served many idols. And a normal practice would be before people would sell meat in the market, is that they would they would sacrifice that animal to their idol, to their false god. And then they would kill it and butcher it and divvy it up and sell it 
in the, in the market. And so the, the believers, they had this question, well, what do we do with that? This meat has been dedicated to these other gods. Is it okay for us to eat that or not? It's really hard to find meat because a lot of us don't. We live in the city. We don't raise animals ourselves. So that's, that's where it's available. What do we do? Is it okay? And you can imagine some people were of one opinion. opinion. There are the people who are like, no, if you really love God, you'll be a vegetarian. You'll do whatever it takes. Don't eat meat. And there are other people who are like, ah, don't worry about it. God's, we have freedom. We can eat any, besides, meat is good. God likes meat. All right, that's all you need to know. So there were, you can imagine these debates that were going back and forth. And so Paul wrote to address this issue, and his answer is, is pretty complex. But within it are the principles that we need to, to filter how do we approach the gray areas of life. And so I'm going to read um, part of this chapter. You can follow along in your, in your Bible or on the screen. Um, 1 Corinthians 10 starting in verse, verse 14. And as you read this, just look at what are the principles behind what he's saying here. In verse 10, or verse 14, Paul writes, and he says, wrong chapter. He says, So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. And then in verse 19, what am I trying to say? Am I saying that food sacrificed to idols has some significance? Or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. So he's starting off, it sounds like he's taken a side with the people who say, hey, don't eat any meat, right? He's, this is a pretty hard, hard, strong way. Like, hey, this is connected with demons and the worship of demons. Don't have anything to do with that. And I don't want you to participate with demons. Verse 21, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord... And from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. What? Do we dare to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? So there starts off strong. In verse 23, you say, I'm not allowed to do anything. Or, sorry, you say, I am allowed to do anything. So there's the, hey, we've got freedom. You're saying that. But not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So there he's like, okay, this is a little different here. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner... Accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you, this meat was sacrificed to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It may not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others, so that many 
may be saved. All right. Anybody confused yet? Anyone know what you're supposed to do with meat sacrificed to idols? Or other gray areas? Well, I think this is really interesting. And in this passage, there are really four principles or guidelines that, or that we can use as helpful, um, as, hel- as, a, as a grid for us. Like I said, sometimes Paul seems to be taking a stance, t- taking a stance against eating food sacrificed to idols. And then other times he seems to be saying, it's no big deal. So which is it? And really what I think is essential for us to understand here is that it's not a matter of jumping through hoops or following rules, but it's a matter of the heart. God is always concerned with our hearts. That's what is most important. And we can be following rules and have our heart in the completely wrong place. That's what the Pharisees, Jesus' contemporaries, were really good at. And he was great at showing the hypocrisy of their life, that they were doing external things, but their hearts were in the wrong place. God, what he cares about is us having hearts for him and for others. And so it's, it's not about the food itself. It's not about Harry Potter itself or whatever, the other issues. But it's about, it's a heart issue of how we relate to God, how we love God, and how we love others. And so within this, there are four guidelines for the gray that apply to all the gray areas of our life. And I'm just going to list them out for us, and then we're going to break it down and and look at each one of them. And so four four ways, four guidelines for the gray. It's consecration, conscience, liberty, and love. A little alliteration going on. Hopefully it helps remember that. Consecration, conscience liberty, and love. So you can take these and look at any gray area and help navigate, okay, how do I follow God in this? So the first guideline is consecration. To be consecrated means to be set apart, to be devoted for a specific purpose, for a holy purpose. And Paul starts out with this. The first thing he talks about is, hey, remember, don't don't be led astray by worshiping idols. Make sure that your hearts are consecrated to the Lord. That you're not wandering after, after something else. Um, it's the, the first danger that we have to be aware of is, is having idols in our heart. And we may be going like, well, hey, I don't, you know, I don't have an idol. You know, I don't have a little statue that I worship. But an idol really is anything that is of more value to us than God. What do we think about the most? What do we think about when we wake up? What do we think about when we go to sleep? What is occupying our thoughts and our heart? What is motivating us? What are we yearning for? What are we looking for to fulfill us? Oftentimes it could be a, a relationship or a romantic relationship or it could be success or a career or the approval of others. Many of these things can become idols in our life. And, <coughs> excuse me, getting off a cough here, getting over a cough here. And so, but it's really important as we're looking at issues is it's, it's not, the issue, it's not, what do I, is this something I need to do to be, do the right thing, but where is my heart at? Is, I, is God the most important thing to me in this situation? I read a testimony a little while back from Sarah Bessie, who's, who's an author, and she talked about how she had, she and her husband had in, enjoyed um, the freedom of, of drinking wine here and there. 
And she'd grown up in a home kind of like mine, and there was no alcohol, but then she, she came to a place saying, you know, I think there's more freedom. There's, that's not off limits in the Bible, and I can enjoy this. But then she came to the place where she realized, you know, I've become dependent upon this. I, every night when I come home, I'm drinking a glass of wine. I, I, I say, well, I'm just doing this to take the edge off. And she realized, I'm trusting this glass of wine to do something for me that really I should be looking to God to do for me. And so she realized it had become an idol. And so she went into her kitchen and opened up. You know, she had a fair amount of, of bottles of wine that she had, she had bought in advance, and she poured them all down the sink because she realized this is keeping me from being consecrated to God. I need him to be the first place in my life. I want to look to him instead of something else. And so that's what consecration is all about. First, First Corinthians 10.31 was one of the verses we read. Paul, it's kind of his, one of his summary statements. He says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's what consecration is all about. It's, as, am, I, am I doing this? Is it for the glory of God? And it's not so much... You know, a good question to ask is, is this sin? But an even better question to ask is, how can I approach this issue? How can I honor God the most in this issue? It's not like, how close to the edge can I get and not fall off the cliff? Now, if, if that's what we're trying to do, then maybe that thing's got a little too much of a hold on our heart than what it should. But if we're saying, man, how can I walk this area out in my life in a way that honors God the most? That's when we're living a life that's consecrated to God. And that may look different for one person than another person. I know another, for one issue we didn't mention, another gray area is the whole issue of, of the Sabbath. And questions like, hey, what if I, my job wants me to work on Sunday? You know, that's, that's a gray area. The Bible doesn't speak real clearly about how we walk that out. The, the Pharisees, again, they tried to, to make it real specific about how do we do this? But I know with our kids, one issue wasn't about work, but it's about youth sports. And youth sports are always organized around weekend tournaments and games that are on Sunday. So it was a real issue that we've had to navigate with, with our children. And what we've done is, when our kids were little, say, you know what, we think that, that being part of a church community and worshiping God with the church on Sunday morning needs to be a priority in, in our lives. And that's a value of our families. And so if we're going to be on a team... In elementary school, we're going to tell them, hey, a condition is we won't take part in Sunday morning games. And that's been a great experience to help teach our kids, like, hey, this is what's important, and you're willing to take a stand in areas that are difficult. Now, as they've gotten older, we've made some exceptions. That, hey, we, when you're getting older, hopefully if, if that's established, you're walking that out, then there, maybe there can be some, some exceptions as we see you honoring God in your life as a whole. And so that's, that's how we've tried to walk that out in our family. But there are different ways, but the, the principle, or the heart of it, is, is consecration. The second guideline after consecration is conscience. The conscience, you know, that's that little thing inside of you that tells you you feel like something's right or something's wrong. You feel a piece about something or not a piece about, about something else. In uh, verse 28 and 29 of, of that passage, Paul says, um, Suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't, don't eat it 
out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. And throughout this passage and throughout the Bible, there's a high value on honoring your conscience. Now, our consciences aren't perfect, but they're a gift from God to help us follow him. And it's important that we value our conscience. And don't, the Bible talks about you can sear your conscience or damage your conscience by ignoring it. And then it stops working so well. But having a clean conscience before God is essential to having a healthy relationship with God. And so, a second principle is, hey, what does my conscience tell me about this thing? If my friends are all saying, oh yeah, yeah, it's okay. But something in me is going, you know, I just don't feel right about that. Then that's important. That we honor God by listening to our conscience. And we're willing to, to take a stand with where our conscience is leading us in that. As it talks about here, there are some times where our conscience may be okay with something, and it's, it's not sinful. It's perfectly, we could, work, we, we could do that and be worshiping God and be consecrated to God. But there may be someone with us whose conscience is bothered by that. And it's also important to honor their conscience and not do something that is going to damage them or cause them to stumble or tempt them to violate their conscience. And so we have, a, we have a responsibility to have convictions in our own heart of, man, how do I see this thing? God, how are you leading me? And how will I address this gray area? But if it's gray, I'm not going to put that on somebody else. And I'm also going to be careful about how other people see that as well. Romans 14.23 says, Whatever is not from faith is sin. And that's a really good guide. If, there's, if we, in our heart, there's just that doubt of, I don't know about this. I'm not sure about it. Then we can't do it with faith. And then we've moved into a place of, of sin, a place of not trusting God, not honoring God in our life. So conscience is really important. The third grid is, was liberty. Liberty or freedom. And you've got to love this. Um, verse 25 and 26, Paul said, So you may eat any meat that's sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And then in verse, uh, verse 32 and, or sorry, verse 29 and 30, he says, it may not, for why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So, man, one of the best parts of the way God leads us is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. There is, we don't have to be like, oh shoot, I've got to be like afraid that God's mad at me and I can't do anything. But the more mature we are, the more we, able we should be to handle some freedom in different areas. And enjoy that. And say, man, this is a gift from God. This is good. Uh, a friend of mine told me a story of a friend of his who, kind of like my family, he had he had decided, I'm not going to drink alcohol at all. I love God, I'm going to serve him, and I'm not going to drink alcohol at all. And he lived that way for a number of years. And one day, he was, he was praying, and he heard the Holy Spirit speak to him and say, I want you to go to the store and buy a can of beer and drink it. He's like, is that you, Lord? I don't know. He kind of wrestled with that, but it was like a really strong impression. So he did. He went 
to the grocery store, maybe it wasn't a can, it's kind of hard to buy cans of beer, but got a beer, and went home, sat down, drank it, and then he just heard the Lord say, now, did that do anything to you? Did that defile you? Are you different? Like, no, I think I'm pretty much the same person. And sometimes we have stuff set up in our mind where it's more like a religious standard. And God, may, you may be here today and God is wanting to break down some of those false things that aren't really from him. But he wants you to experience greater freedom in your life. Now, if you all go get wasted after today, like, you missed, you know, that's not what I'm saying. Not the point. But there's, there's liberty. God wants us to live with, with, with freedom. And knowing, man, God has made a beautiful world with great gifts, and he's made them for our enjoyment. And many of the things that there are guidelines and restrictions around, it's because there's something good there that God designed it for. And now I'm not talking about, you know, heroin or something like that, you know, but there are, there also, there's also brokenness in the world. But there are healthy things. Sexuality is probably the greatest example. Man, there's so much caution and concern around it. So many ways for that to be taken out of context and to be something that destroys lives and dishonors God and dishonors people. But it's an incredible gift that God has given in the context of a loving, lifelong, committed relationship of marriage. Man, it's an incredible gift that God has given to enjoy. And so there's liberty in, the, the, in many of these gray areas that God may be wanting to break down some of the thought processes that we have. All right, and the last principle is love. Love. It all comes down to love, Right? Consecration, conscious liberty, and love. Um, Paul talked about that quite a bit. In verse 24, he said, Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. That's love. And then in verse 32 and 33, So don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. So, along with honoring God, in the gray areas, what's really of, really of utmost importance is loving others. And so, as I said earlier, there may be things that are perfectly appropriate, and you can do that and be worshiping God, but it, you may need to make a choice to back off of that, because it might, be the best way, not be the, may, might not be the best way to love another person. You know, there are different scenarios, different, if you're working with different, or building friendships across cultures, this might come up quite a bit. I know I've had a lot of friendships with people from Saudi Arabia, um, people, Muslims from other countries. Um, I remember once, I got a really good friend from Afghanistan, and he had been here at K-State for a year, and we built a really good friendship. And then his wife came over, and their, their little boy. And the first time she came over, I remember trying my best to, like, break down all the, like, cultural ways that women are treated inappropriately. I did my best to, like, talk directly to her and be friendly. And then the next time I saw my friend, I said, hey, how's, and I said his, his wife's name, how's she doing? And I could tell he kind of, like, back, recoiled a little bit. And then later on, fortunately, our friendship was close enough that he said, hey, you know, just in our culture, like, you don't say someone's wife's first name. Like, that's, like, really disrespectful. That's like you're trying to steal somebody's wife. And I, I know that wasn't your intention. I know you. I trust you. 
but just, I just want you to know this is like, kind of hard for me to process through right now. And so I was, okay, next time I'm not going to do that. You know, that's probably not, that's not good. If I'm loving this family, trying to build a relationship, that's, I'm going to try to work as best I can with, without violating God within this culture and work towards loving them and blessing them. If you're working with people, you know, Muslims, you, maybe, you may need to dress more modestly than you would otherwise because that could create some, some red flags. Um, those are just, those are kind of out there examples. You may be like, man, that's never going to happen to me. But there are things that we can do to be more considerate of people that even though we may be perfectly okay with it, willingly and voluntarily limiting our freedom because it's really about loving other people and seeking their best interests. So consecration, conscience, liberty, and love. Um, all right. What do we do now? Well, I just want to ask you all to think about, is there a gray area that you're dealing with? And hopefully you've been doing this as, as I've been talking. But I want to just give you the, encourage you to take this and walk that out with these, these principles. Okay, how am I being consecrated to the Lord in this area? How can I value conscience, my conscience, and the conscience of others in this area? How can I live with liberty in this area? And how can I practice love in this area? And I would encourage you, read over those scriptures in the weekly reading, um, and just, this, it's a really great way to take our walks with God to the next place, and, um, and, and follow him in a way that honors him, and loves him, and loves other people too. I just want to ask, does anyone have any questions? before we wrap this puppy up. Wow, you are like one. Rob raised his hand and Rachel's mouth opened and two words came out. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. That's what I was thinking about doing this and then I wasn't sure. So we can maybe do this as a, as a group exercise. With, let's take the alcohol issue, because I think it's, it's a good one. That just may apply to our lives once in a while, too. Um, so alcohol, how do, what would be, how do we apply consecration? How would that apply to the issue of alcohol? And just, if you have a thought, just speak out. Okay, how does moderation show consecration? So moderation for you is zero. <laughs> but anyway, once you're 21, how would moderation demonstrate consecration? Yeah, good. So that is a, a biblical instruction is don't be drunk. And so that would be outside the boundaries. But moderation would show it's under control. It's not dominating your life. You're not looking to that to, to be your source of fulfillment or joy or whatever you're looking for. So good, yeah, awesome. So you're, you can drink responsibly. You can handle it in a way that's, yeah, good. Any other thoughts on consecration? Well, this is where I was kind of going with 
Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I feel like you, you just hit all four of the <laughs> guidelines right there, really. But that's a great example of how Brandon's walked this out in his life. Of, you know, he stepped away because it had been an idol and began living a consecrated life, but then had a liber liberty in it, but then realized, oh, this might affect other people. I'm going to be willing to do less than I could just for me because of how it, the message it would send to other people. So that would be con valuing their conscience and also loving them. Good. Okay. Um, Rob, yeah? Well, I was curious if you could elaborate a little bit on um, how do these tie into uh, your political affiliation? Because currently, right now, it seems like politics is infused in every area of life. So how to, not to take sides or anything, but to really be, that's a great question. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I forgot. Yes. All right. This, this, could be, this is the real test. Right here. Well, I think that's great because a lot of people would have the idea that, hey, if you're a Christian, that means you're a Republican. And some would say if you're a Christian, that means you hate Republicans because they're evil. But oftentimes, you know, party affiliation or being conservative or liberal is very close to people's hearts and their value system. And I think it's essential for followers of Jesus to not be locked in, to not see any other identification or affiliation as their first affiliation. And to see that, like we've talked about this in the series, that we're, we're part of other environments, we're part of our work environment, we're part of our nation, we're part of our family, but kingdom values are always more important than any of those things. And our job is to bring transformation in, in those areas. And so, I think it's important that politically we are taking our cues from God's word and, not, and being very careful about overly identifying with any cause or group or party. Now, you may, out of your conscience and conviction, say, you know, I'm going to be a member of this party. I think they best represent the values I'm called to live out. And it's not perfect, but I think to be a part of bringing transformation to the world around me. I'm going to be part of this. But it's important that that's, that you, that that's always held kind of loosely and that that's always judged by, by God's word and that you're also very considerate of people that don't have the same convictions about things that maybe aren't black and white. And you could see that someone could have a very... Someone could love Jesus and be, have a completely different place in the political spectrum than you are. And you could probably do really well to have conversations with that person and understand what's behind that and listen to them and grow from that. So, does that answer your question? 
Okay. Yeah, I think that's a really big one. It's, yeah. That's a, it's easy to get, like, riled up and so easy to alienate people unnecessarily out of that. Good. Well, I, I think we kind of did the case thing with Brandon. Walked us through really good. Anyone have any other questions? All right. Good. Well, we are... Uh, let me pray for us. And as I do that, the worship team is going to come back up. We're going to worship God with one more song.